0: Welcome to the NAW Podcast Series, Innovate to Dominate, sponsored by Pros. Today's episode is called Platform Versus Value Chain, Making Sense of Platform Business Models, and it looks at the substantial competitive advantages that platform businesses have over the role of distributors in the traditional value chain, and how distributors may increase their competitive advantage by launching platform businesses or creating effective strategies by participating in or countering virtual marketplaces. In today's interview, you will hear from Alex Mazad, founder and CEO of Applico, Mark Dancer, author of NEW's Innovate to Dominate, the 12th edition in the Facing the Forces of Change series, and Richard Blatcher, Director of Industry Marketing and Business Intelligence at Prose. So let's listen as Richard Blatcher begins the conversation in Platform versus Value Chain.
1: Hi, everyone. Richard Blatcher from PROSE. Um, Welcome to another in the series of our PROSE-sponsored podcasts, which is organized by the NAW and based around the Innovate to Dominate, the 12th edition in NAW's Facing the Forces of Change book series. I'm really delighted that we're here at the NAW Executive Summit in Washington, and I'm here with my regular partner, Mark Dancer, who is the author of the book, and we uh, are delighted to introduce Alex Mozed who has joined us, and he's the founder and CEO of Applico. Alex, thank you so much for joining us and spending the time to be with uh, Mark and myself. Maybe you could just introduce yourself and to the listeners and the viewers, just give a little bit of background on you, your publication, your famous book, and Applico as a company.
2: Sure, yeah, good to be here. Uh, I co-authored this book, Modern Monopolies, which came out a few years ago. We launched an ETF with Wisdom Tree last year called Plat, which puts all these public platform stocks into a basket. And what Applico does is we help large traditional enterprises figure out how they can own a part of the platform future, either by uh, spitting out separate platform entities, acquiring tech companies and turning them into platform companies, or or partnering with uh tech companies that want to be platforms or are becoming platforms and just helping traditional enterprises uh have more of an ownership stake uh, in in that future state of a of a platform world
1: now you use the word platform i work for a software company and we probably have a different definition of platform to to you so maybe you could just dig into what you define as a platform from that business model perspective and you also talk a lot about the um, um, uh, marketplaces, so maybe you could dig into some of those dynamics.
2: Yeah, so so platform businesses uh, describe companies that they don't own the means of production, they create the means of connection, and they have two customer groups. They have a consumer on one side and a producer on the other. So if I'm Uber, that's customers and drivers, Airbnb, that's renters and, and homeowners, if I'm Apple, it's uh, people who have iPhones and app developers. YouTube, it's people watching videos and, and the third-party content creators. So the, when I say platform, it's describing the business model, um, which one type of a platform company could be a marketplace for products like an Amazon or Alibaba, uh, or now there's a lot of other vertical-specific marketplaces like Farfetch is also in Plat, which is a marketplace for luxury designer goods. Um, but you could also have a content platform like YouTube or a development platform like the iPhone, but they all fundamentally focus on creating value by facilitating the exchange of value, as opposed to being the linear equivalent where you are creating or licensing or reselling some kind of product or service. Um, we contrast this against Netflix a lot, where Netflix is... Spending twelve billion dollars a year, or maybe more now, to license or create all of their own content. All of that content sits on their balance sheet, and it's not an asset like model, which is what you tend to see with these platform businesses. Um, so that's what we focus on. And then in B two B distribution, marketplaces are product marketplaces are the natural uh, predominant form of a platform model in this industry that is coming into it from all from all angles.
1: Um. For the benefit of the folks that couldn't get to Washington to the summit, to hear your um um really interesting presentation this morning. You also talked a lot about the importance of verticalization. You know, these vertical marketplaces and 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 opportunities that are that are becoming increasingly important. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so you with
2: with platforms they have a winner take all type of endpoint right so once they hit a level of maturity this thing called critical mass you tend to see there's only one or two dominant players in a given market but what we've seen in b2c retail in the u.s and also in china in in b2b distribution is you see the overarching kind of general category winners like in amazon in the u.s or alibaba taobao uh, in um, in China, but then underneath that, you see vertical specific winners. You have one or two dominant winners in a given vertical. So, in consumer retail in the U.S., you have two really big sneaker marketplaces, Goat and StockX. You have Farfetch, which which also bought one of the sneaker marketplaces, um, and Farfetch doing luxury goods. You have um, in China, you have b2b marketplaces you have a number of unicorns in china that is a dominant marketplace for um, agriculture or for metal or for plastics or textiles and so you're naturally kind of seeing the demand and supply which is unique to that vertical right i only want these kinds of products Um, and I only supply these kinds of products, that those natural kind of industry lines have existed, but now you're seeing marketplaces build out specific tools that cater to the needs of customers or suppliers in those industries. In the US, the two largest uh, tech startup B2B marketplaces are actually in the agriculture vertical uh, called Indigo and FBN, Farmers Business Network. They're both they both have over a billion dollar valuation. And so they are helping grain and the, um, you know, different say soybeans or agriculture products that a farmer is growing on average from from the farm to the end customer, which could be a craft or something, right? I need cheese or, or you know, I'm making cereal or macaroni and cheese, whatever. Um, it it changes hands six to seven times and everyone needs their cut when they touch it, uh, for those six to seven times. So how can a marketplace centralize the different players, um, bring the farmers, bring this disaggregated, this fragmented supply, bring pricing transparency into a centralized market, create standards around, you know, quality, there's the quality of the grain or the feed or, you know, these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, provide a lot of tools to farmers and make this a very sticky. Yes, it's a marketplace, but it's very vertical specific. This is a direct threat to companies like Cargill, um, ADM, and, and there's a number of others of, of the more traditional kind of distributor model uh, in, in, these, in, in the ag industry.
1: And you, I mean, it's both a threat and an opportunity for those companies, right? And you say that China's ahead in that kind of the vertical B2B, probably two, three years to the US. Is that a fair Yeah, China China's
2: platform economy, I'd say, in financial services, healthcare, communication and messaging, um, as well as B2B, is is at least a few years ahead from from a trends and standpoint, right? You can kind of look at what's happening there, um, like Short form video and uh, and and what we saw, or what what you see with healthcare marketplaces, what you see with um, Ant Financial and Alipay, and um, what you see with these vertical specific B two B marketplaces, eventually, maybe not exactly, but you see these things then happen in the United States or in other emerging markets. So yeah, the, China definitely has a couple of years in B two B. And when you start to look at the world and say, "Hey, yes, I'm going to have these big tech monopolies come into B2B distribution, but I could still be the marketplace winner in my vertical," you know that to me is a tremendous opportunity. You don't need to say we're going to be the marketplace for everything, but if I'm an existing incumbent distributor in a specific vertical, you have a lot of advantages on the demand, supply, product, inventory, data value-added services, brand, trust, and your balance sheet that you can use uh, to to take a more ownership uh, or direct role in in the marketplace future for your vertical.
3: If you were talking to a distributor, a leader of a distributor, leadership team, and they, they heard that, and they understood that, and they wanted to talk with you to get your advice about how to actually start towards creating a vertical marketplace in my industry... So I get the concept. Maybe I'm awake enough to do that. Yep. But I want to actually start moving in that direction. What would you advise them to do?
2: Um, so I think the key is to start small and get out in the market and do some tests. Right. You can you can try out how to stand up a marketplace in a week or two. There's a lot of off-the-shelf tools that you can use. You know, give a small team very little time and very little money. Um, as I think John was also saying, you know, is, is where you want to start, but you can test out the opportunity for how a marketplace could work in your industry for, Hey, how advanced are consumer expectations? Um, is someone interested in using my rinky dink marketplace that I stood up in a couple of weeks? Oh, great. Okay. Maybe consumer expectation is, is at a point where we could capture this, uh, or maybe no one wants to use it because their expectation is much more mature and we're going to need to make a much more significant investment. To get into this space, in general, I would say uh, doing anything entirely from scratch is probably too big of a of a challenge to overcome. And and there is a pretty lively tech startup ecosystem. Not necessarily all marketplace startups, but there are. Um, tech startups that provide su- uh, tools, SaaS products, tools for, um, for suppliers and sellers and distributors. There are e-commerce, linear e-commerce sites that have demand. They're not a marketplace because they don't have third-party supply. So they still have good digital demand. And so I think what you need to do is do small tests to validate the opportunity and at the same time explore um, the assets you have today, figure out where the gaps are, of where you want to get to, and how you could accelerate that uh, that trajectory by um, buying one of these tech startups and 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 getting to demand or supply or both much faster
3: for that for that uh, vertical market to take off, distributor's frame of reference would be when I have a new product or a new service, I can design something that sounds really good to the customers. Customers might tell me they want it and they need it, but the hurdle is willingness to pay. You invent something great and they never want to buy it, right? Is that analogous to a virtual marketplace or is there some way to think about how you actually, I've I've done some experimenting, I've done some trialing. How do I try to cross the threshold to having something that could actually have some traction and
2: grow? Yeah. So I think, you know, two things there. Um, If you're trying to do some, what we call manual hacks to test out a marketplace model, you know, you're... You're putting up products, you're driving ads, you're setting up template websites, and then you're making a bunch of phone calls and unscalable things to to see if you can source supply. Just kind of understand what the needs are. So you should be able, you know, can you, can you do five core transactions? Can you actually f- close five deals in two or three weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be one example of a test, right? And then I think generally some of the thinking is what every platform does with their technology is they give the technology away for free in exchange for access to the network or the ecosystem, right? So um, what are the software tools that maybe you already have in-house, or maybe there's a there's a really great tech startup with a, with a great tool that a lot of distributors like using in your vertical. Um, the kind of classic platform play is I buy that company and I either get rid of the SaaS fee, subscription fee, or I subsidize it. Mm-hmm because I want as many suppliers to come on board and use my tool because my ultimate play is to have those suppliers put their inventory into my marketplace. Right? So if if you already have an e-commerce presence, that can be a great approach to say, how do I now get a bunch of suppliers um, to, to put their inventory into my website? Oh, they're already using this tool. Great. Here's the tool for free. Now I get the existing suppliers, a bunch more suppliers, and I give them a way to monetize their inventory. So, you kind of commoditize the compliment, give the tech away uh, in exchange for access to the ecosystem,
3: a platform business. If I have listened and understood a bit of what you're saying, uh, can sometimes win because it has a huge selection of products and it has a fair or perhaps the lowest price. And a lot of that's a huge, huge uh, competitive advantage that distributors might not be able to match. In a vertical marketplace, distributors used to talk about when I started working 20 years ago, there were two types of distributors. There was a broadline distributor and a specialist distributor. The broadline was roughly analogous to a big platform that sells lots of things everywhere, anytime. And the specialist distributors did a smaller version of that, smaller selection of products, but they really tried to compete on their product knowledge or their, or their uh, application knowledge, or sometimes it was just our commitment. We're going to be here to help you keep your business up and running, whatever it takes. Does that line of thinking apply for distributors who are trying to translate what you're saying about vertical marketplaces and others? And is there a better way to say that in the platform world?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say the it's similar in the sense that the general versus specialized. I think the, the difference is that the vertical specific marketplace would would theoretically combine both the um, broadline and specialist distributor inventory into one centralized marketplace respective to that overall industry of b2b distribution so that broadline distributor um, just at a high level is probably going to have much more inventory which would be susceptible to some of the large tech monopoly marketplaces to come in and take, say, some of the more commoditized products uh, that are more broadly applicable to, say, an entire industry. That's usually the kind of, maybe it's pack and shippable. If it's heavier stuff, it gets a little bit more complicated. But if it's pack and ship and it can be centrally fulfilled, um, then that stuff pretty is, is usually some of the first things that the marketplace tries to adopt and, and get a foothold on. Certainly, say, in an Amazon uh, and and how they penetrate some of these, these new B2B verticals. Um, The ability for a specialist uh, um, distributor in a vertical to then kind of move upstream and go after the more broad line, I think comes down to um, the, the ability to channel the demand that they have into digital demand. So if it's a very analog sale and everything is going through a salesperson, they might have a concept of buyouts, right? They might have salespeople taking calls. Yes, we sell our specialist catalog of product, but these customers probably need five other things that we don't have. And so what are the ways that you can translate analog demand into digital demand? That's one of the first steps. And so, um, if you give a marketplace solution to sales reps, for example, um, and rather than the clunky way that they're doing buyouts today or whatever you call it in your industry, you know, that could be one example to say, hey, what are the SaaS tools in my industry that are really good to help sales reps upsell or sell products that we don't specifically stock hold in our warehouse? Yep. Great. Could we go buy that company? and then put it into, and then, you know, expand the product catalog of this, which is really just a sales tool, turn that into a marketplace. And now I give it to all my, you know, if I've got 500 salespeople, now all my 500 salespeople, if, if 30% of my business is 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 this buyout kind of distributor to distributor type yeah. of uh, business, okay, can I turn uh, $150 million of that analog demand into digital demand? Mm. Maybe. Um, point is, there's a lot of these kinds of different hacks. You can test that stuff out in a few weeks and say, yeah, maybe this works. Uh, what does the landscape look like? Are there any tech startups doing this or is it completely barren and we have to build it from scratch? You know, that's a whole other set of decision-making around that.
3: I love the idea of you know, use hacks and test it in a few weeks. Another, another traditional problem for distributors, and you know this, is that they they sell products. And their financials are based on the margins of those sales. But they give a huge amount of value away for free, or at least it's towards something huge. right? So they give banking, essentially, in their terms. They give product advice, application advice, lots of other things that they provide to their customers. It's a cost for them, but they don't get paid for it because they, their margin is based on the products they sell. I'm wondering if... A distributor is thinking creatively about the opportunity to join or create a vertical platform, I think, whether they should be thinking about not starting with e-commerce, of creating a place for people who have things and people who want things to come together, the physical product, but whether they should think about a platform business around answering customer questions or providing banking services or something else and kind of flip the model so that they can make margins that they're they're interested in it's just not tied to the competitive margins of selling products
2: so i mean there's a lot of ways to arrive at it right i mean and that's actually how alibaba started um with taobao and tmall in china was they said hey chinese people like to barter and talk to people on the phone before they buy something and there was ebay was uh ebay was also in china at the time and ebay Took a transaction fee, so you know you sell something for a hundred bucks. eBay wants it's five percent or whatever it was, and uh, so that meant that if we if eBay lets buyer and seller talk, then they're just gonna transact outside of the platform. And now that you have platform leakage, so eBay didn't want to let you talk to each other. Um, Alibaba said, you know, we're not gonna charge any fees for the neck for the first three years. Buyer seller feel free to talk, share information. You know transact outside of the platform we don't care we just want to be a meeting ground uh to help you you know meet one another and and, right. and exchange value um ultimately they've kind of kept to, to away from charging as a percent of a transaction and instead said have an advertising model so now as the platform has a lot more demand and traction now in order for you it, it's like google search but to find Product suppliers and sellers, basically, right? So you need to pay for ads and listings, and you know for promoted features and special features, and and that's their model. It's an ad model. So there's a lot of different ways to structure what we call the core transaction, which is what I think you're getting at. Um, You know, in some way or another, distributors need to sell more product. The way that you are enabling them to connect to the customer. There's a variety of ways to go and, and do that, to test that, to test out different interaction models, see what tech startups are already doing in the market, um, learn from that uh, or acquire it or copy it or some mixture of all of those things and, uh, and you know, figure out the best way forward. But every one of these industries is so unique and so different, mm-hmm. um, especially when you look at it on a vertical specific basis. And I think that's another big advantage just literally just inherent in having vertical focus is that the tools and transaction model that is going to be deployed by an Amazon or Alibaba, et cetera, is going to be for that general multi-vertical model, right? So if you can find ways to customize or modify the interaction model that better serves the vertical, that's a fantastic differentiator. Excellent.
1: And of cool Selling more product profitably, which is
2: exactly for <laughs> a distributor, right? Yeah, you got to sell more products, right? right?
3: Questions? I've been dominating for a bit here. No,
1: I mean, it's that's the innovate to dominate. That's absolutely fine, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> in- interview to dominate. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Um,
3: let's go in a different direction. You've talked, you I think you've helped distributors understand Amazon and Alibaba and Walmart and their plans. So if you were chatting with a distributor's leadership team and you, you were to tell them, and they know perhaps that there are more options now where they can choose to participate, not to create, but to participate. What advice would you give them on, should I go for all of them, some of them? It's a temporary strategy, it can be a long-term strategy. It's just what would their, their virtual, if they're gonna participate on platforms, yeah. what is the strategy?
2: So I think, it, 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 I'd say most people at this conference, no one raised their hand that they disagreed by the way this morning, but then there's going to be some kind of platform future in B2B distribution and some kind of platform future, I'd say, in every vertical besides the electronic industry. Uh, but everything else besides the electronic vertical, I think, has enough fragmentation on the supply side that it's certainly susceptible to these, these marketplace dynamics. For the electronic industry, really just Arrow and Avnet, there's four or five chip manufacturers and they're all in cahoots with each other. And because the manufacturing is, is consolidated and tied up, it, it's very hard for a marketplace to penetrate that. But that dynamic pretty much only exists in that specific area. And there's plenty of fragmentation in just about every other part of B2B distribution. So if you look at a partnership model, you can say, okay, what are these startup marketplaces in my space? Uh, do I think some of these are at promise? And, oh, you know, if if you're the head of that startup marketplace and you look at all of the assets that I'm talking about that traditional incumbent distributors have, and you're the CEO of that marketplace, you would drool at the prospect of having access to the demand, the supply, the product inventory, the value-added services, the brand and trust that comes along with that, the balance sheet, right? I mean... And and any one of those things or some mixture of them, the CEO of a startup marketplace is going to be very interested in having a conversation, Um, not just for capital, but more so about how do you solve their biggest challenge, which is that chicken and egg, how do I get demand and supply and vice versa? The other side of the coin is that there are going to be some very, very big players getting into this who are threatened by an Amazon doing what they did to B2C in B2B. I think there are big logistics companies and fulfillment companies that have a lot of things at stake where they don't wanna have Amazon have the same level of dominance in B2B because that will be very bad for their logistics fulfillment business. So there's that side of it. Who are the service providers that are going to be marginalized if you have one big dominant marketplace like we've seen in B2C? I think you have PE firms that own distributors that own manufacturers that could then say, well, you know, we, we own distributors and manufacturers. We could roll these things up, do a centralized marketplace. We could have manufacturers only list their inventory exclusively on the marketplace. You could start to kind of tie up some key supply, some 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 really kind of high-priced inventory as a, as a lure to bring people to that marketplace. Um, and so there are I th- a range of different partnership models you could be partnering up with another distributor of a similar size of yours and then and then um you know buy a company together or partner up with any of yes. those other large companies. So the point is that you if you could help solve for the chicken and egg problem, that demand and supply problem, which you can. Um how can you help whatever that dominant marketplace in that's going to come into your vertical because it's going to come into your vertical? How can you own a piece of that? Yeah. And help them get there because it's inevitable. so you might as well own ten or twenty percent of it or whatever it is. Um, and then you can use that marketplace to actually help your core business and have the best integration with the marketplace and you now have created enterprise value for your shareholders um, by using these assets at an opportune moment.
3: love it. I think I've heard you explain some of that before, and I have this um, joke of you with distributors to trying to explain it and there's a rushing river going down the middle and there's a, a marketplace or a disruptor on one side and there's a distributor on the other side and the distributor calls out to the marketplace and says, how do I get to the other side? And the marketplace says, you are on the other side because <laughs> distributors, you know, they bring some things to this equation and they can have conversations about partnerships. Yeah. Right? Especially with startups and others. Right? Yeah. And that,
2: I think there's a big gap in that dialogue. And, mm-hmm. and kind of wanting to explore this. And, and, and the first step is saying, hey, this is, this is an inevitable future state. It's a very rare point in time where you can say with an extremely high level of conviction that this is what the future is gonna look like. I don't know who exactly the marketplaces are gonna be, but there's absolutely room for vertical specific marketplace winners in B2B. Excellent. And it's more of a question of who's gonna get there and how can you get a piece of it or own or it outright.
1: On which side of the river? Are (laughs) we there? Yes. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time and and your insight and expertise. Um, We will share your contact information and how they can purchase the book and get in touch with you if they'd like to um, engage with you further. And um, thanks again for your time. And hopefully we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Alex.
0: Thank you for listening to the NAW podcast series, Innovate to Dominate, sponsored by PROS, with Richard Blatcher from PROS, Mark Dancer, an NAW Institute for Distribution Excellence fellow, and today's very special guest, Alex Mazzad of APLICO. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to visit naw.org I2D or pros.com slash NAW, where you can subscribe to our podcast series, enter to win your very own copy of NAW's book, Innovate to Dominate, and even view webinars from NAW and pros. See you next time.